Welcome to Grow with Kobe. Listen, this is a podcast that can help us navigate in a more skilled way the life that's in front of us as parents, partners, individuals, professionals, whatever applies to you. And if we can understand the skills that will help us to create as little collateral damage as possible, if we can focus on the things that will get us to the place where we want to go, if we have mindfulness of the skills, we can seriously understand who we are, which means we can better connect with the people who are around us. So come with me. This is going to be raw. It will be unfiltered. It will be vulnerable. We'll talk about successes. We'll talk about miserable failures. But most importantly, you're going to get authenticity from me and from all my guests. So come on, come with me. Let's all go together. All right, everybody. I want to welcome you to the latest episode of Grow with Kobe. I am particularly excited about this episode today because it allows me to reunite with the infamous college roommate, the the <laughs> infamous college roommate who uh, who changed everything for me uh, once upon a time. And uh, Ben Marklin, Benjo Marklin, um, welcome to the show. I'm super happy to have you here. It's good to see you. Stateside, you, you give me too much credit. You changed you changed me just ah. as much as you think I changed you. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a funny story because uh, I went to this little junior college in in Saint George, Utah, um, after serving an LDS mission, and uh, I was literally like two weeks out from returning. And uh, I walk into the student union building, thinking like, "Oh, I gotta find a, a uh, I gotta find how much a milk card is." There's got to be some kind of, you know, papers here somewhere. And I walk into the student government room and there is, uh, there's Benjo standing there. I didn't know who he was. And I just said, hey, isn't there a, isn't there like a book here that you can like give me or let me see that'll tell me how much a, a meal card is? He's like, oh yeah, there's probably one, you know, downstairs you can go by. And I was like, come on, man, there's got to be something here. And he's like, okay, let's look. And so we start talking and I have my parents there with me. And all of a sudden, within like 10 minutes, Benjo and I are roommates. <laughs> And my, my parents are like, okay, we'll go drop your stuff off and see you when we see you. And uh, the rest was infamous history of uh, epic proportions. Ben? That's right. That's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the story. I think I was a little more curt or rude. And, you know, I was like, there's a book in the bookstore. You can, you can go buy it, you know, but the, that's what it was. But, yeah. 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 It was, uh, you know, but then you were like, Oh, I'm going to go live in these dorms with all the football players. I'm like, you're going to die. <laughs> you know, you so should cool. move in with me. I just got this apartment. Um, and it was like a rare apartment that they never let college students get, you know, cause I was in oh, this like right. family housing apartments. It was super quiet. It's like, dude, it's like, a, it's like a, it's like a palace, dude. You could just come live with me you know, way better. And, and indeed it was, it was the palace with, uh, burnt orange shag rug carpet that had firmly oh. been there, you know, for you know, going on four yeah. decades or something like that, right? Absolutely. But we were <laughs> next to all the cute girl apartments. Yeah. So that that was great. And and I don't know if you remember this, but I try to tell you the story is the the advantage of having a bread maker in college is oh. I made fresh bread for the girls next door and then you they did totally their laundry. Did. <laughs> they did my laundry. So. Yeah, but it's not just that you had a bread maker. Then it's also that you were uh, you were masterful in in playing your guitar, <laughs> and that would <laughs> that would endear you to all people, especially the girls. That's for sure. So uh, those, were, oh, the those days, were the days. 
those are the days in a sleepy little, what well, was once upon a time, in a sleepy little college town. But yeah. um, anyways, um, everybody, I, I have invited Ben on because uh, Ben has had a tremendous life um, change as a parent, as a partner, as a professional, as a, as a uh, an, um, an individual. And as, as we talk about the whole premise of the show is how do we navigate life's um, ups and downs? How do we navigate life itself when it throws curves at us, when things change? How do we, how do we handle that so that we can minimize collateral damage uh, for ourselves, um, in our relationships, um, in our families, but also at work? And I just want to give you guys just a little bit. You can find Benjo Marklin on LinkedIn. Uh, Benjo is the chief operating officer and productivity junkie. Uh, and, uh, but Ben has, has, has been so, um, for many years <laughs> he, in terms of the productivity junkie and, uh, and Ben, you've just relocated back here to the States. So why don't you just give us a little snapshot about what that's about? Yeah. Uh, uh quick backstory, uh, a little over 12 years ago, um, uh, I was working for a bank and then was recruited to go work for a call center company based out of Roy, Utah. And they needed someone to go down and start their El Salvador region. So the idea was I was going to go down for a year, um, take some people with me. Um, we were going to find a location, build up a little call center, kind of on a, uh, I don't want to call it an affiliate, but just a, you know, a branch of our current company. And uh, we wanted to take Spanish calls as well as uh, low cost English calls. And we got that all set up. And after about nine months, my partners that went down there with me couldn't, couldn't, couldn't stay for different reasons. Uh, either, either they hated the call center life, which is a 24 seven, you know, constant moving, changing system. Um, or they just culturally, it was just too hard for them. So uh, I got stuck down there holding the bag. So I was like, all right, well, we'll stay for another year. And then the other year turned into another year. And then finally year three, we were like, we are done. Um, and then, through church, uh, my church asked me to stay uh, yeah. to serve in some callings. And so I stayed on and, and that roped me in for seven to eight more years. And uh, anyway, w when uh, I got the release um, and through that time, I was promoted to the COO of the company. I went through serious um, different positions over time, but eventually I became the COO of the company. And then uh, my wife said, well, there's nothing really holding this here you know the company is running really well you're the ceo now and i said well i can we can live wherever you want you know uh, I i'd like to live next to a, a one of our locations mm. um, but we can live wherever you want and she's like well i'd like to be closer to some family i was like, okay well pick a home that's cool that's pretty crazy and so um again in total you were in el salvador how many years 11 years 11 years in el salvador and how, a little okay. over a decade Ben, how many kids did you guys have down there? Uh, well, we went down there with two. We came home with five and a dog. So, uh, <laughs> and I consider incredible. the dog one of my kids. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, and, so we had twins down there. We had twins down there first. Um, and uh, we, we always wanted a girl. 
and we wanted to name her Dixie after the the beloved oh, college that I went to school. Totally. So so we were gonna go for a girl, and we ended up getting twins, and we got a boy and a girl. And then we felt like we kind of got gypped and didn't get the extra fourth pregnancy, so we went for another child, and we ended up with our son Robert. So five total wow. children, and then so uh, cool. we've, we've had the dog almost the entire time, so he had to come home with us. Serious, almost the yeah, entire time. Yeah, he's a twelve year old dog. Did you take him down there, or did you acquire him while in El Salvador? But we we got him while we were down there. He was a he was a rescue down there. Oh my goodness, man, that's so cool. And okay, so so as of today, okay, uh, we're we're in September of twenty one. How long have you been? How, how long have you been stateside? Oh, uh, let's see. We uh, not not quite three months. So probably two months and three weeks. Okay. So you got here in the summer. So that way everybody without having to jump into school could acclimate, get kind of get yeah. settled down and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of strategically planned it that way. Um, you know, we knew we needed to do a few things in June. Our kids were finishing the last, the first week in June of school there. Mm-hmm. So we needed time to pack up and move. And then we wanted to have time to, uh, you know, get beds and get to know the neighborhood and register for school and, and uh, all those kinds of things and uh, let them try to make some friends and get acclimated into the ward Buy school clothes. You know, my kids went to a private school in, in El Salvador, so they wore uniforms. Uh, so there was a lot that lot that had to kind of change. And we didn't know what even the fashions were going to be when I, Last time I bought school clothes for myself, it was Massimo t-shirts. So it was like, isn't that the truth? And now they're wearing yeah. them again. <laughs> yeah, now they're wearing them again. That's the irony. So, um, so That's there was a lot, a lot of strategic planning in the in the return home um, to give us some time to acclimate. And then we wanted to get some family vacation time in. You know, go see family we had really been able to spend quality time with. Um, and not feel like we were gonna have to like, you know, pull kids out of school or something. Yeah. Yeah. How, okay. So when you were down there though, Ben, how often as a family, would you come back up here? I know that you would come stateside for work all the time, but how often yeah. as a family so, would you guys come back? Yeah. So our plan was, uh, once a year, we would come back as an entire family, typically for three to four weeks. Um, sometimes we did it for a shorter time because we wanted to do something else with the vacation time, but typically that was the plan. But we found um, it was a monumental undertaking to do, and we found it was hard. Especially when you had five kids, you were sleeping on people's floors, going house to house to house to house. Um, and then, you know, uh, we had a tragic accident one time when we were here, and, and almost kids got That's hurt. Right. That was horrible. And so we we started doing more. Um, like one year we would go, one year we'd bring everybody down. So we would say, who wants to come for summer? Who wants to come for Christmas? So I would use all of my uh, flight budget and vacation budget and say, well, you know, I'll bring a group down for, for summer. I'll bring a group yeah. down for Christmas. And so, so it was really fun to get a lot of our family to come down and see us. So there were times where my, my kids wouldn't go back for two years, oh, maybe wow. three because of the okay. visit. Um, my wife would typically, um, we, we would find some ways to get her her back uh, for like a girl's trip with her sisters or something like that. But yeah, yeah. most of most of the time it was it was uh, just once a year uh, or every other year. And I think that's important to know because it, it, three of your five had were born in El Salvador and would come Correct. back every couple of years to this country that 
they've heard yeah. about, that they know about, of which they're a citizen, but they've never experienced, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty unique. Yeah, it was. It, it, it would be. In fact, they had like delusions, you know, and of grandeur of what it was like sometimes, and and so uh, you know. But my youngest son, you know, two three times, and he was like six months old the first time, you know. So he doesn't really remember it. And my twins thought that every time you, when you lived in the states, you you lived by all your family, you know, and that you just spent time with your family every day, all day, all your cousins and everything. Because they only came back for vacations, you know. And so then when yeah. we were getting ready to come back, they're like, well, we just want to see snow. I'm like, okay, well, it snow sucks. Okay, <laughs> I was like, yeah, but we just want to see it. I'm like, all right. Ben, solid. that's so great. Oh, wow. That's so yeah. great. You know, okay, so there's so many, there's so many questions I have, but but for, for yeah. the purposes of today, Ben, let's let's first just talk about. Um, the, the reference point here is going to be just dealing with the emotions that come from such a huge transition. Again, the emotions uh, that, that you feel as a, as a parent, partner, professional, and individual. And, and what I'd like you to do, Ben, is just say, okay, these are the, the one, two, three things or whatever that, that are most challenging in terms of the transition as a parent, let's just start with parent because we're just talking about your kids, right? These are things that are most challenging, but these are the emotions that I have to be able to face about this, this challenge as a parent so that I'm not torpedoed from the depths with an overload of emotions. (laughs) Yeah. As a parent or at the top. Yeah. You know, um, I don't have any friends. So now I'm sad. I miss my old friends, you know, um, uh, I, my toys aren't here. We had to sell my toys to come, you know, it's a quite expensive journey to, to move internationally. Um, we ended up, we ended up paying for a cargo company to bring stuff, but budget wise, I couldn't bring 10,000 pounds worth of stuff, you know, uh, U.S. Embassy State Department will give you ten to fifteen thousand pounds. I was like, guys, you got twenty five hundred. Make it work, you know. <laughs> you know uh, and, and I still found a kid who brought six rocks that he found at the beach. I was like, you know, sounds but, like my kids. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, th- there, there's a lot of out of placement. Um, I, I don't belong. What was interesting, also, there was a sense of did I do enough here? You know, my older kid, my oldest son was kind of like, did I leave a legacy? You know, did I do anything good here? You know, are people going to remember me here? Or am I going to be forgotten? And I was like, you're, you're way too old to be worried about did you leave right? a legacy, you know, but, uh, <laughs> you know, um, you know, so I think there was some, some typical uh, teenager angst that you deal with that just are amplified. Um, but then there was a lot of, you know, will I have friends? Will I meet anybody? You know, is there anybody going to care about me? Are I going to be able to do the things that I used to do? Um, you know, do, do, do they have, you know, and, and a lot of confusion, do they have skateboarding there? You know, wow, do, do, yeah. you know, do, do, could I see a horse there? You know, things that they, they, that they had seen in El Salvador that they, 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 they just had no concept of. And you would try to explain them. My, my, like my youngest son, um, we, we always drank purified water in El Salvador. Mm-hmm. Um, water, the water system 
is okay, but it's not treated. So you, you, you know, you're not getting the same kind of treatment you would get out of our tap water. Yeah. And so we always, always had purified water in a, in a kind of a, a water fountain oasis. Um, I don't know what you call it, a cooler, like a water cooler. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and we'd have to put the five gallon thing on top of it, you know, every couple of days. And he would, he was very adamant that we always need to have clean, fresh water in case he got a dry throat in the middle of the night or whatever. And we, he was like, well, we have, well, we have that water cooler when we move. Oh, and I was like, huh. and I was like, I was like, no, we won't. You can drink right out of the tap. No, you can't. You know, he'd grown his whole life drinking out of the water. Yeah. Cooler. And, uh, and I don't even think he knew why it was just because that's what we told him to do. Wow. And so there was a transitional period for him of like, uh, can I even drink this water? Yeah. But I mean, that's really unique, um, Ben, because what I'm just hearing is there aren't just like, Hey, are we going to, can I see a horse? Right. Because that's my norm is to see horses. Can I see a horse there? It's like, the short answer is yes. Is it going to be as readily available? No. Yeah, no, we'll see it no whatever. yeah. So that's, so that's one, that's one thing, but what you just talked about in, in terms with the transition with your son, then that's different because you now all of a sudden you're, you're, you're trying, you can't just give him a one, you know, one-off answer that alleviates his concern about drinking from the tap. Yeah. You have to present it to him. And it, it's like, he's got to sort that out himself. So in a sense, you really kind of not power less, but, all you can do is what you can do, which is to explain it to him. And then he's got to do the rest of it. Yeah. Himself. Yeah. And that's going to be that way with, with, with um, each of your kids. Is it not in some, in some way or another? Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt like some of the maybe anxieties or, or even borderline like depressions or melancholy that I, that I saw most of it. I, I just had to be patient because I knew they were going to see the answer. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and my 14 year old, uh, someone told me once a long time ago, once your kid turns 14, he, you're not going to teach him anything. He's already learned. He's, he's already, he's already learned everything he's going to learn from you. And now it's just maintenance. Now it's just patient maintenance, you know? And, okay. and, and so I, I would try to talk to my 14 year old and, and he was like, oh, I miss my friend, blah, 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 you know, and, and I finally said, why don't, why don't you call your other, he had a friend that lived with, that was his best friend there in El Salvador. And he moved to Florida a few years ago and they're still in contact. And I said, why don't you call him and see how he handled it? And so he called him and he goes like, oh, I feel so much better. He told me it's all going to work out. He told me I'm going to school. I'm just going to find friends. Uh-uh. And I, and I was just like, I think I told that to you four different ways, but okay. <laughs> you know, but you know, so it, it that's was, the old uh, Dave Ramsey powdered butt syndrome, right? If, yeah. if someone's powdered your butt, they're not going to take any advice from you kind of a thing, right? It's like, you know, I told you, but it just didn't. Yeah. Makes, makes complete sure. sense. Okay. So, so, so give me kind of this, this synopsis, Ben, what emotions would you say that you observed? What emotions generally speaking from your kids across the board, would you say that you have observed them experiencing yeah, I, I've seen some anxiety, uh, definitely anxiety. I think anytime you move to a new new world, anxiety. I also saw some um, some relief, some some joy. Um, my kids all speak Spanish, 
Um, but they didn't necessarily always loved speaking Spanish. They enjoyed their natural English. And so when they had to go to like a grocery store or a gas station or to a little shop to buy something, you know, they would often have to translate and prepare the conversation. My youngest kids, it's a little more fluent, but my oldest kids, they would have to kind of think the conversation into their brain a little bit, prepare for the what what the answers would be so they could get what they wanted. And they said the first couple of times they went to go buy something and they didn't have to translate it. Um, they had started to, and then they realized they didn't need to. They said it was a huge relief. It was very easy for them and they felt very comfortable being able to talk. So I, I saw anxiety, I saw sadness, but I saw some joy. I saw some adventure and excitement in their eyes. Um, I, I saw kind of some passion to try new things. Um, my oldest son kind of uh, set some new goals. I noticed he was kind of uh, probably, I don't want to say calorie counting, you know, he, but he's kind of a chubbier kid, but he was, he was like, you know, I don't want ice cream tonight. Um, I'm only going to have one hamburger when he'd have four, you know? And, and I eventually asked him, I was like, so, you know, what's your, what you, I noticed you haven't been eating as much. You've been skipping on the sweets. He's like, oh, I'm really concerned about making good friends and I want to, want to look my best, you know? And, and oh, so I, I, so there was some definite, um, uh, um, I don't want to actually worry about what people would think about you and then trying to come up with ways to um, uh, prepare for that. Yeah. I, I, I saw some real mental pre preparation. Um, my, my twins, my twins really kind of hit the lottery in the sense that we're kids down the street who were twins. Same no. age. <laughs> yeah. You uh, Where you are now. Yeah. They're like a block what? away. Yeah. And they're in the same primary class at church. And, and so uh, they immediately had instant friends. Wow. Um, and then we connected with some friends from college that had kids about the same age as uh, my kids. So some of my kids did make some instant friends, but there was a lot of anxiety. There was a, so much excitement at first, and this was going to be this amazing change. And then it quickly turned to some anxiety and some mm. worry. And, um, but honestly, I, 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 I knew it was going to happen. Um, yeah. I, I was very like, it's kind of like when someone tells you they're okay when they broke up with a girlfriend, I'm like, all right, well, call me and call me tomorrow when you actually really <laughs> cry about it. So, so, so Ben, it was, um, it's really interesting to kind of hear the, the landscape of the transition with your kids. So here's my question for you then as a parent, what, what have been the range of emotions that you have felt in observing like as a father when your kids like this is a decision professionally that you had to make that caused major life transition and change. So what did you feel as you observed your kids traversing this road that they had no decision on? Well, to correct you a little bit, um, because of the nature of my job, I could live wherever I wanted. So I could have lived down um, there five more okay, years. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I did recognize that there was a financial burden on my company to have me down there for not as much reason as before. I, yeah. I have people who could do the job down there, but there wasn't a natural, I, I could have stayed another couple of years and that would have been fine. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so it was kind of a, um, it was the right circumstances from a work perspective, mm -hmm. but the family was feeling it. And so I, 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 we had a family council and we talked about it and I said, this is a perfect opportunity 
my work is in a good position. My oldest son is getting ready to start high school. Um, what do you guys want to do? And I really left it up to them. Um, and there was a lot of mixed emotions. There was a lot of uh, debating back and forth. There were, you know, but they, they, they were clinging on to, they were clinging on to things that were, that were, they were not super tangible. You know, like one of my kids was like, well, I have great friends here. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, all, all your friends are North American who go to the U S embassy. They're here from the state department. It's like, right. yes, they trend, they leave every two years. Okay. So, uh, because the, your, your typical state department post is a two year post. Okay. And so I was like, so you're, 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 they're not going to be your friends in 18 months or yeah. in six months, you know? So that, that doesn't really work, you know? So, uh, it was, it was, um, I could have really forced the decision. Okay. Um, and I, but could you gave your kids a lot of ownership. I, it sounds I, like. I, yeah. I, I, I let them, you know, we had a family fast and prayer and discussion and looked at the pros and cons and we put them up on a wall and we talked about it. And my oldest son was very much like, Hey, I, I want to meet new people. I want to have new adventures. I want to have new friends. You know, uh, my little kids wanted to see snow, you know, and my wife really, really wanted to be with family. She wanted to be able to, on a moment's notice, pick up and go to a family event uh, I see. where yeah. in El Salvador, you couldn't do that. It was, it was often, uh, um, uh, it was often, Hey, we're gonna, you know, so-and-so is, you know, going to college. And we're going to have a graduation party for him tomorrow. We're like, Oh, well, I need, I need two months notice. <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> right. You know, that, that stuff didn't work. So, so they, 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 the problem was, is I knew that their decisions to come um, and what they wanted to achieve wasn't going to be as great as they expected it to be. And yeah. I think I had to, I kind of prepared myself mentally for that Yeah. as a husband and a parent uh -huh. that I was going to have to have uh, conversations or sit down with people who are let down, Yeah. Um, who now were frustrated and now even second guessing the mm. decision. Okay. What was it like for you as a, as a parent, though, to see your kids in, in either discomfort or in you know, turmoil or in, in, in struggle with one in, in one degree or another? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, it's, it's painful when you see people in those situations. Um, the, the, the hard part, it, it's probably more painful when you didn't see it coming. Um, but when you've mentally told yourself, I know this is going to happen. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's almost a little boring in the sense like, really? <sighs> okay. Let's listen. <laughs> okay. Oh uh, yeah. 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 I see what you're saying. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause I'm like, I'm like, okay. Like, like I've had to do this a few times, you know, but it, it, it definitely hurts. Um, but I think it's the greatest part of being a parent and a spouse is being able to maybe listen to them, go through the anxiety the hardest part for me is when I feel a little lost, like I just don't know how to solve your problem. I yeah. don't even know what advice to give you. Um, keep trying, you know, um, you know, keep going. And so I've tried to just distill, instill this message that, you know, I'm here to talk. I'm here to listen, you know, but I, I, it, it, it's a, it's a frustrating place to be in, even when you're prepared, because 
you know that's going to happen. You're kind of waiting for those things to happen. Yeah. You're waiting for that frustration. And then you see them going through it. And then you're like, oh, I don't I don't have to do. And then after like the third or fourth time, that's where really kind of the boredom comes in. It's like, okay, well, we've been here <laughs> five times. Yeah. And, 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 and Ben, I mean, this is, if I'm just kind of reading in between the lines, what you're saying is, is you, you, you kind of laid out the landscape with the kids. Hey, this is the range yeah. of things that we could be dealing with. What are your thoughts? Are you good with this? Okay. You, you've chosen to get on board with this, which is cool but then dealing with the discomfort that you're observing in your kids because of the decision that they didn't know they'd have to face. Um, It it sounds like that just hitting that head on, what you're saying is as a, as a dad, just sitting in it with them, even when you can't fix it, just sitting in it with them and saying, I can't fix this for you, but I am here for you. Right. Is Is that what I'm hearing from you? That, that's for the most part is what it is like with little kids like I don't have any friends I'll get you play dates that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be friends yeah. you know but when it's your older kids and even your own spouse there's not a lot I can do you know yeah. and, and that was things that I had to kind of uh, internalize before we left and I kind of explained that you know okay we want to go back so we can be closer to family there's no guarantee the family's going to call us then totally Totally. Okay. It's true. You know, um, you want to go back because you want to meet new friends. I can't guarantee you're going to make friends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You might, you might run into bullies. Okay. That you never seen before. You know, I was extremely concerned because maybe in some ways we were isolated in Latin America, but, but, you know, I, I feel like U S television has become extremely more um, open to graphic uh, nudity and swearing and all and things that you would never see on cable TV when I was a kid. Oh, and we yeah. just didn't, and we, and we just didn't watch a lot of TV in El Salvador because we just couldn't get American television. So we, we, you know, we just watched D- Disney plus, you know, or Netflix, you know, and oh, so yeah. coming here also now we are going to be exposed to all these new television and all these new features, and these things. And I, I'm not the kind of person who's like, I'm just going to shield you from everything. Cause I know what happens when you shield someone completely yeah. and they'll still find a way they'll, they'll, they'll sneak out and find it. Sure. I, so I was like, okay, you know, I, I've got to expose these things to him. And it's like, I knew it was going to cause, turmoil i knew it was going to cause challenges and and so i remember even talking with them i was like i can't guarantee what you're saying you're going to have that's the risk Uh but if you want to take the risk we'll go for it yeah but if it doesn't happen we got to be prepared to talk about it guys because because it it might not happen and sure enough the first few weeks it didn't happen the way everybody thought (laughs) well that's i guess that's the beautiful part of it is is being able to 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 hit that head on um like as a family to say, okay, let's, let's kind of recalibrate here. Let's, let's listen to, sounds like what you're saying is let's listen to what your grievances are, what your beef is, what your concern is, because yeah. clearly somebody didn't meet your expectation. Let's just talk about that. And I really think that I kind of liken that to when our kids are sick and we take their temperature just to see what their temperature is, just to assess their current uh, status, if you will. Yeah. That what that what it sounds like is is those conversations as a family that you had with your kids are kind of the same thing. We just got the pulse of where they were and then just recalibrated things, which is beautiful. So let me transition now to to partner with with your wife. What what have been the range of emotions that you have felt as a partner to your wife in seeing her transition back? Yeah. Um... Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll 
answer it this way. When we were getting ready to go to El Salvador, I remember I called the Dave Ramsey show yeah. and was on the Dave Ramsey live show That's so and cool. asked, and I asked him, should I go to El Salvador? And then I talked about the pay and I talked about all the opportunities and everything. And he said to me, he said to me, how's your marriage? And I said, well, I, I think we're doing pretty well. I was like, I mean, do you guys get along? Are there secret fights that no one knows about? And I was like, no, we, we get along very well. And he's like, then, then go do it. Wow. Don't, don't go do it for the money. Don't go do it for the adventure. If your marriage is, is, is on the rocks, because it will destroy you. And I had the witness, I had the witness of that happen to multiple families. Really? Who moved to El Salvador for a couple of years for either State Department or long-term, and their marriage is disintegrated within days. Wow. Days, not weeks, not months, within days. Uh, because of the of the anxieties of and stresses that you have. Uh-huh. And now, and now granted, that's going into El Salvador because there's separation, you're away from family, you don't speak the language, all the things. So coming back, um, I, I think I was a little bit more prepared for the experience. And I knew that um, I knew my wife needed certain things mm-hmm. that was going to help her from an anxiety perspective, help mm-hmm. her from a, a mental saneness. And there were things sure. I just needed to back off on, but then I knew that I needed to be available to communicate and discuss certain things. So, um, and I'll give you a great example. Uh, my wife will get claustrophobic if she doesn't feel like she can provide for the family, the things that they need. Okay. Um, you know, clothes, shoes, milk, cheese, eggs, you know, those kinds of things. Okay. And so the last thing she wants to do is ask permission. I know we just, this is this big expensive move, but can I go to the grocery store today? You know, like that would have caused anxiety. And then that would have brought, conflict in the marriage and then we would add an argument and i was like i don't know what you're arguing about so it was important for me to sit down with her before we came and say here 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 we've got x amount of money yeah to buy whatever you want i don't yeah. care what you spend it on yeah yeah you know get get, get whatever you want i i felt like conversations like that before we went and then kind of touching base on that when we got here uh-huh. made a very huge difference and, and it helped us get through the tough transitional emotions because it was the same thing. I felt like if my marriage hadn't been solid, it probably would have dissolved because, you know, there were nights she didn't have a bed. There were nights yeah. that the, you know, there were nights that the kids were crying, you know, and, uh, and, you know, we didn't have a washer and dryer for the first couple of days, you know, we didn't have a car the first couple of days, Yeah, you know, and we were relying on parents to come help us, you know, and, 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 uh, and then those parents are trying to do their best to help you, but they're older, you know, they're in their sixties and seventies. And so they're dealing with your little kids and, 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 and so you can tell that it's tiring on them and, and, and then you don't want to burden them. And so um, that just puts anxiety and stress back on the marriage. And so I, I had to work really hard and I love my wife terribly, but I, I had to work really hard to make sure that I went out of my way to express my love to her mm-hmm. because I knew that that was going to bring peace and then try to see where I knew where she was going to have anxieties and challenges yeah. and, and prepare a way for us to, 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 uh, to avoid those conflicts yeah um, going into it ben the the the, the anticipation 
the uh, looking ahead, the forecasting of um, emotions that would come with specific situations in moving was, yeah. I mean, that's really what I'm hearing you said, what, what hearing you say is that you just knew before you left, okay, we're going to have certain scenarios here that I got to be able to face and I've got to be able to recognize what the impact's going to be. And I've got to be ready yeah. to deal with that as we go <laughs> along, not just like one off conversation, but as we go along, which is to, to forecast and to look ahead like that, Ben, that is, that is the best of humanity because yeah. that gives you an opportunity to deal with things as they go and um, to really partner up. Yeah. It's, I got to use this example when I talk to people about this concept is, is I say, when is Christmas? When is Christmas, Kobe? December 25th. December 25th. Right. It, does it change? No. No, it's always December 25th, right? Yes. Then how on earth do people every year tell me that they didn't see it coming? Oh, I wasn't prepared this Christmas. I didn't see it coming. I don't have any money. I don't it have a snuck I get up it. On every, me. Yeah. I get it. Everybody's economic situation is different. But literally, I see people that get to like December 24th. I'm like, I just didn't see it coming this year. I'm like, really? It's on the calendar. <laughs> you know, like, like, like it's, it's, it doesn't change. It's there, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm not trying to belittle people who have economic challenges. I, I get that, you know, but my wife and I, uh, 15 years ago, recognizing December 25th was the same day every year, decided that we were going to put a portion of our paycheck into a separate banking account, every single paycheck. Mm -hmm. And it's called the Christmas fund. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that, that amount has gone up as we've gotten more children. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it started out with 20 bucks a paycheck or something. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's a beautiful thing. When November 1st comes, my wife says, how much is in the Christmas fund? And I said, all the money you want, do whatever you want with it. Cause we <laughs> saved all Christmas for it, Yeah, you know? And, and so I anticipated the stress and anxiety. My first fight with my wife was around Christmas time. Because okay. we had the stress and anxieties of what should we buy with each other? Who makes more money? How do we spend? We were, we were, we didn't have any children yet. And so here yeah. we're putting up the Christmas tree and my family put the lights on one way and her family put the lights on another way. <laughs> and we get in this big old fight. And it wasn't really about the lights. It was the anxieties of that. We were not, we weren't synced and we weren't prepared okay. for December 25th, even though we had been okay. married for a year and we had known each other for four years. Even though we knew December 25th was the same time every year, we just didn't, we weren't prepared. And we decided after that we were never going to be unprepared for December 25th. Mm, that's beautiful. So you look at your own life. Okay. And you can, and if you're a journal writer, I think it's, it's a great way to identify this. If you write down your feelings and your anxieties and your challenges of your life, mm. you should be able to pinpoint stuff that is preventable. It's your December 25th moments. Mm. And then go, I see that coming. I'm going to either avoid it or I'm going to make enough mental deposits in the mental bank account yeah. that I can hack it. Yeah. And uh, my wife actually pointed one out to me when we were moving. She said, you're a jerk when we fly. <laughs> because she's like, you're, you're a, cause you, you're a businessman. She's like, you never. You never check a bag. You're always in first class. You're always go to the Sky Club. You, you know, you're boom, 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 boom. Yeah, boom. yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, 
you're, when you're with me and the kids, you're just like, go, go, go. We got to go fast. We got to get to there. We got to get there. And it creates anxiety. And I can think of five or six times where I've been with my wife, where I have made her very mad and frustrated in an airport and almost even made her feel belittled because I was just like, how do you not, we got to get to the gate. We got to go yeah, here. Go to there. Right. So she told me, she's like, you're traveling with five kids. Okay. One of them's three. Yeah. Each one of them has a 50 pound, two 50 pound suitcases of all of their life's possessions. Wow. Okay. And, and we are moving to the United States. Yeah. And she's like, so you need to, she just, and she didn't, she was like, I need you to think about that. And I, I went back and I sat down and I thought, and I thought about it. And I, I sat and I thought, and I was like, she's absolutely right. She's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I need to prepare for this. Yeah. And so I mentally prepared for it. I decided I was going to be in a chipper mood that day. I came up with a game so the kids could help me with the luggage. And we had a wonderful experience. It was the best flight experience I'd ever had with all of my kids wow. moving back to the United States. And I count it because my wife said, your December 25th moment is, is every time we fly, you are tough. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Family and the kids. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful to look at. And, and you know, one of the other concepts, Ben, in addition to, to facing, you know, emotions in, in the various roles that we, that we play is also to face what I, what I call situational triggers. These are situations that trigger intense emotions. And you just talked about that. You just talked about that and saying, okay, guess what? We have to uh, fly with your wife. We have to fly, but I don't want you being the, the general. I want you going with us as we fly to make it a good experience with us. Um, Looking ahead to see, you know, okay, how are the kids going to do when they want to have friends? I mean, all these things you're saying, you're looking ahead in the roles that you're playing so that you can set expectations, but also understand that you're going to have to go back and recalibrate those expectations as you go, which is, which is beautiful. Okay. So now as a, let's kind of hit these two together as a professional and as an individual bit, what's that been like for you to transition? Because I mean, ruling the world from, you know, El Salvador, if you will, your world. And then all of a sudden being back in, in the corporate office, that's gotta be a yeah. huge change. Yeah. It, you know, it is, um, one of the hardest emotions I think for me moving was I was really good at life in El Salvador. Um, you know, I, I, I speak Spanish extremely well. Um, I can write it as fast as I can write English. But what I found was um, I also, I knew everybody in the community. I knew where to get anything. I knew where all the people were, you know, I, I, their, their thing. And so coming back to the United States, I kind of felt like I had to start over. Wow. And, and so for me, it was like, oh, I don't know where anything is. I don't know where, I don't know the people as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know my job. And, you know, I just had to go to an office and get set up in an office and kind of get situated around new people, but people I knew, um, I just knew them more remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember me mentally, I was just like, oh, I, I have to start all over. You know, I was a popular yeah. person in El Salvador, you know, um, um, and I, and I mean, like I was popular, like I, I mean, I, I went to a party with the president of the country you know wow. um, yeah. uh, but then all of a sudden here I was like hey I'm 
I'm kind of a nobody, you know? And mm -hmm. so I had to get over my own ego a little bit and just mm -hmm. say, okay, you know what? I'm just going to have to start over just like my own kids. I'm going to have to just get out there meet people and do things. And, wow. and so, but I felt like my, my primary role, at least for the first couple of months has been, I needed, it was, I, I, I felt like I can reestablish myself when I'm ready and I have a job. Okay. I, it's not like I have, it's not like I can't, Fine. It's not like I, I came back jobless, you know, yeah, yeah. I have a job, I have a rhythm, I have a routine. Um, I can get to that point. My primary role right now is I need to make sure my family's safe. Yeah. That's and so I need to put a little bit of my ambition on hold of things that I want in my life and make sure everybody else is stable, not suppressing my feelings, not yeah, at all, yeah, yeah. because that'll just create resentment. But it, it was like, okay, I can, I can put this on hold. I can yeah. take a break for this and make sure they are happy and make sure they have what they need. Uh, that's a, I mean, that, that's, that's a really huge thing. That's a really huge thing just in terms of the roles that you play. And, yeah. um, but, but it, okay. So, so here's the question then, Ben, uh, like, yeah, it's, it's the, this is the classic scenario of, you know, you're on the airplane and you know that heaven forbid the, the masks fall right the air masks yeah. and the instructions are always secure your mask first before helping anybody else right the idea being you can't help but anybody else unless you help yourself first so True. my question is is how what have you done to to look ahead and realize as an individual i'm going to have needs and if i don't take care of some of these basic needs even though i'm, I'm caring for my family in this transition if I don't take care of some of these basic needs that I have as a human, then that's going to show up in the inability to, to be who I want to be in these right. other roles that I play. And, and I know, for example, Ben, that you talked about this earlier, play the guitar, you play the guitar for years. You also run like you just ran uh, a five. Was it yesterday? The Farmington 5k? Yesterday? Yeah, yeah, ran, yeah, five k yesterday, yeah. and and you've been involved in triathlons and so forth. You've always been really good at taking care of yourself in terms of I'm going to do activities for me as an individual. So, what what has that been like for you in effort to take care of yourself so that you can show up in a in in a in the best way that you are able? Yeah, there's a fantastic book I recommend anybody read. It's called The Morning Miracle. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's a, it's something I've done for a long, long time now where I have found that if I can get up a little bit early every day, then I can get a series of things done that make me a better person. That includes meditation. I love using the Headspace app for meditation. Mm -hmm. um, Andy, uh, that includes beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I use, I, I, I do journal writing. Um, um, I, I do use my iPad to write a journal every single day. That's cool. Um, I, um, take some time to spend some time in some quality education where it's in a master class or a YouTube or a podcast. And then I get some, I get some athletic time in, you know, whether some days it's just a walk, Yeah. you know, um, other days I go for a run. Sometimes I go to the gym and I lift. I'm not, a, I'm not huge into lifting, but I try to do it every now and then. And the reason I do that is because by the time my kids get up, I have knocked out these huge pillars of life mm -hmm. and, and got them done. You know, I have meditated, I have prayed, I've had my, my well, spirituality like time. Two hours worth of stuff that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. About two hours. Um, some days less, sometimes a little more. 
Um, I have, I have my non-negotiables and I have my, I have my, uh, if I have extra time, I'll go do kind of a thing. Um, but I, but I try to get about an hour and a half to two hours of personal time for me Mm -hmm. before anybody else has even gotten out of bed. And that prepares me to be in the mindset. I don't have to sit sit and worry. And I see that, I see that uh, in, in people, especially in my time as a church leader and things, is people come to me and say, and say, I'm so imperfect. I'm failing. I'm not reading my scriptures. I'm not praying. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not, I'm not making healthy lunches. I'm doing all these things. And, and they go through this whole list of all things they're failing at. And I was like, stop worrying about that all day. Take an hour in the morning or an hour after the kids go to bed and get those things done. And then you can, then you don't have to worry about them all day. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a really, that's a really great point, right? Just knock them out yeah. and it's done or schedule them at the end of the schedule night them. so you don't have to worry about them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Kobe, that was actually something I kind of learned from you when we were in college. You used to, you had this little, uh, you know, the little <laughs> banker's day planner, you know, it was just totally. a little banker's day planner. But Back you would in write day. in there, you would write in there and uh, you would write in there when you were going to have your spiritual time, when you were going to have your mental time, all these kind of things. Yeah, and yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't when I was going to do them. I was a real morning person, you know, but you would be like, totally. hey, I, ha- I have a half hour break between one and two. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to. I'm going to go home and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I think that's, I think for me, my mental capacity, my saneness is I have to dedicate that time yeah. um, to better prepare myself mentally, physically. And I'm in a much better mood. In fact, I've actually had employees say, like, I always see, cause like they'll follow me on Apple, you know, the <laughs> okay. Apple health app and yeah, they'll, yeah. and they'll get an alert on their Apple watch. Like, Oh, Benjo just did a five mile five miles. <laughs> He'll be in a good mood today when he gets to work, you know? Oh, that is uh, super funny. But, but the principle, but the principle really is true in, in that when you do take care of yourself, then you can show up the, the best possible you, despite what's thrown at you in life. And I think yeah. this is, again, this is exactly why I wanted you to come on the, the podcast, Ben, because there's been so much life transition and there'll continue to be some transition, right? Especially as you go through the holidays, you get to the first year because, well, you're going to have your firsts for three of your kids, right? Like the first new, you know, the first birthday, the first Thanksgiving, the first Christmas, the first New Year's, the first, you know, uh, Cinco de Mayo, all all these things. They're going to have their first there. So there's going to be this, this, this ongoing transitional period but by taking care of yourself, that gives you more bandwidth to take care of yeah. the other roles that you have in terms of being a parent, being a partner, being a professional. And I, and I think that that's, um, again, Ben, this has just been a, a really insightful episode for me because what you're talking about is real life. Now, not everybody's going to be transitioning <laughs> back to the U.S. Yeah. after living abroad for 11 years, but the principle remains the same, does it not? Oh, it totally does. Back to my December 25th example. All of us have December 25th moments. All of yeah. us have stuff that's going to cause havoc in our lives. Some of it we can see coming, some of it we can't, but we're all going to have bad moments. But if you're in a place mentally that you are doing the things, like I said, like that, getting all the key things you need to get done, yeah. uh, the, the, the physical, the mental, the spiritual, the temporal, you're doing those things for yourself you are so much more prepared 
when the whirlwind hits. Uh, mm. Franklin Covey, or Co- Franklin Covey, or Stephen Covey would, Dr. Stephen Covey would have called it quadrant two things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they, they were not urgent, but they're important yeah. to prepare you for when the urgent, important things hit. Maybe you'll lose a job. Maybe someone will get hurt. Maybe someone will get, in the, go get thrown in a hospital. Maybe someone gets a disease, you know, all those things. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know what? I can hack it because mentally I am prepared because every, every day I've got this routine of things I do that prepare me. Oh man, that's such a big deal. That's such a big deal. Look, um, Ben, I want to thank you for your time. Yeah. Um, I know that you're busy, but um, again, well, I know you've been back for a few months, but again, welcome back to the States. Thanks, man. <laughs> welcome back to, uh, to life here. Uh, I feel pretty lucky that, um, and, and it's really interesting everybody because Ben and I, um, you know, drifted for a long time in terms of our contact. And then, geez, it was like 2014 or something like that. All of a sudden, we reconnected over Facebook. And uh, we've just kept pretty close contact since then. And all of a sudden, now we're here in, in uh, you know, within, you know, an hour of each other, which is, which is yeah. super cool and super fun. So, um, guys, if you've heard anything that you have uh, liked, please share this episode. Because um, the idea with this is, is, Again, we can face life challenges. We can face things that will come at us that we have no control over in a way that can be productive if we consider and, and, and anticipate and look ahead and prepare in the different roles that we play in life. And Ben's talked to us about that and appreciate you sharing, appreciate your, uh, your experience and your insights. And um, thank you. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay. Guys, we'll uh, see you on the next episode. Thanks for being here. It was so good having you. Really glad you're here. Please share this episode if anything spoke to you. And if you like what you heard, subscribe. Love to hear from you. Also, if you would like to join me on an episode to walk through any kind of situation or scenario that's been really tough and challenging in life, go to growwithkobe.com and click on the email button and send me an email and let me know what your situation is, what you'd like to talk about, what you'd like to talk through, and you may be the person that I invite to join me on an episode over Zoom, and we can just walk through it based upon the skills of the episode. Thanks for being here, guys. Talk soon.